God welcomes our questions. I think our questions and doubts are a part of healthy faith. Last week, we passed out cards, uh, and I asked you to ask me some questions that you have. We even put it out on social media. We put it in our email as well. If you don't get our email, uh, make sure to fill out this yellow card. There's a spot where you can put your name and your email on there, and you can make sure that you get the church emails. That way, uh, great 90s technology to keep you updated with what you need. I, I received a bunch of questions, and what we're going to do is we're going to take this Sunday and next and answer some of those. There, there might be kind of like an overflow one, just one question for the third Sunday after that. But the idea is, this guy, I'm going to try to answer as many as I can. I'm going to try to do some online as well. If you still have some questions and uh, you didn't get a chance to, you can go ahead and fill out one of these cards and drop it in one of the baskets in the front or back. There are little stacks of these cards next to those baskets, and you can feel free to fill one of those out, and maybe I'll answer it online, or uh, maybe if it's such a stunner, we'll do it next week instead. Um, I've been try I tried to plan some things. I plan, the, the youth are not in here this week, so I, uh, because people wrote their names down, I knew if they were from a youth or not, and I wanted to answer their questions next week, so that they're going to be in, certainly in the room for that. So I want to, just so you know, I put their questions for next week. So, let's, let's get to it. I, I, full disclaimer to start, uh, I will say, some of these are going to be a little bit unsatisfying for you. Either too short, or too long, or I didn't talk about the thing that you wanted me to, or I talked too much about the thing you didn't want me to talk about, right? So I'm aiming kind of for equal dissatisfaction, is what we're going for here. Like, everybody's going to be a little bit upset. This is part of what we get. So life together, um, if you would like to send me, and you're really upset about me, you can email me at christy at seemecovenantchurch.org. Or, uh, you know, Amanda at See Me Covenant Church. That's a, that's a fine one, too. You can get that. All right. We're going to get into some uh, bigger topics. These are, I, you asked them, and I'm, so if you want to blame anyone, blame yourselves. All right, here we go. Let's, let's launch into it. So, this category I put under our embarrassing siblings. Uh, how can Christians justify putting down people who are different in race, looks, or nationality? Where is Jesus' love of everyone? And I would say, how can they justify it? They can't. Uh, in fact, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Even we're supposed to love our enemies, right? Go ahead and put, the, I think there's a slide up there. I tell you, love your enemies, Jesus said. So, whoever you consider to be your enemy, whether they are your neighbor who just bought a rooster, maybe that's... I didn't even, I didn't, my other neighbor was like, Kurt, did you uh, get a rooster? I'm like, that's not me. So, and then now my Facebook feed has ads for rooster decorations, just so you know. So, thing, anyway. So, whether it's your neighbor who has a rooster, or maybe it's who you consider to be your geopolitical foe, whoever that may be, you should, according to Jesus, you should pray for them. That's, oh, dang, I didn't, I got, okay. 
Got to pray for my rooster neighbor. Okay, I'm so I'm, I got to listen to my own sermon. You should pray for them. So Jesus's words are difficult. They are not easy. We're supposed to pray for people who are enemy. So there is no justification to put down people of different nationalities or races, even sexual uh, orientation. We're not putting people down. But I will tell you, because of Jesus's own words, there is strong reason to pray for your enemy. There is reason to pray for terrorists. There are reasons for us to pray for people you don't like. So that's what Jesus' words end us toward. It's not as easy as if you didn't want to listen to Jesus. Let's leave it at that. All right. As long as we're at it, buckle up. All right, next one. All right, this category is eschatology. Eschatology means kind of the study of the end times. I'm going to teach you a couple of vocab words too. Uh, so, in, the light, in light of current events, is Jesus coming soon? I think a lot of you had this question in mind, at least. I'm perplexed by Jesus saying, this generation shall not pass away until all these things have taken place. I will tell you, um, that, that quote there, we're going to get to it in a minute, that's from uh, Matthew 24. This one actually made me do the most amount of homework. So, if this was your question, you'd be like, yes. I made Kurt do the most amount of homework. I had to read the most number of pages for this. So, I'm going to take this in two different parts. So the first part is, in the light of current events, is Jesus coming soon? So let's just start with the basic thing is that Jesus is coming back. We all Christians agree on that. Christ is coming back, and it will be good. He's going to judge justly. It's something that we as Christians are supposed to look forward to. The early Christian church cried out, Maranatha, which is, come, Lord, come. So we want that. Secondly, for all of us in this room, except for Edie, maybe. All of us in this room, Edie the baby, um, all of us within the next hundred years, we're going to see Jesus, all right? We're all going to come face to face with the Lord. So is Jesus coming soon? Whatever happens in the world, we're going to see the Lord, right? Even if the Lord waits a long time to come, we all are going to come before God ourselves, individually, to face the Lord. So we need to be prepared to meet God ourselves, Regarding events in the world, all of history, everything, big and small, everything is moving toward the culmination of God's plan. And everything is working to their conclusion in Christ, when Christ returns. But, like the short answer is, I, I don't think that the current events in the Holy Land are like the final sprint to the end. So, um, I, like I said, I know this is a lot of people's questions. Following the renewed conflict in Israel and Palestine, uh, thank you for your concern and your desire to pray. I would like for us to remember three things. And if you do get our emails, you heard some of these things. So Jesus said, I think I have this scripture, I think there's a scripture there, right? Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. That's from that passage in Matthew 24. So a lot of people can quote that first part. You'll hear people say wars, rumors of wars, but we forget about the underlying part. But see to it that you are not alarmed. He tells us not to freak out. Don't freak out. You need to keep doing the Jesus thing until I come. You need, I need to find you at work doing what I told you to do. So Christ's return is good news for us, for we who are Christians. And he wants us to be, he, when he finds us, he wants to find us loving God, loving our neighbor, and not worrying. All right, so the second thing we need to do, we need to remember, we need to check our assumptions. 
Uh, just about any time there's new violence in the Holy Land, a lot of us get anxious about last times. I think it's good for us to think about that kind of stuff, but not to be worried. And, and it's understandable, I will say, because a lot of our ideas about the end times have been shaped by dispensationalist thinking. Dispensationalism originated in the 19th century, became popular through books like Left Behind. Kirk Cameron has freaked us all out. Okay. Um, so uh, I can put a link in the emails to what is dispensationalism. This is going to be, this is a little different for some of you because this is kind of like, this is kind of the water that a lot of us have, uh, have been swimming in. All we know about the end times has come through that stuff, right? So that's all we've ever heard. And we don't know that that kind of stuff started in the 19th century. This isn't the way that the church was thinking about this before. So um, one of the things that dispensationalism does is, aside from all the end time stuff, is it makes a very clear distinction between Israel and the church, between Jewish people in particular and the church. And basically what they teach in that is that there are two people of God. But instead of the divisive and often apocalyptic-oriented dispensational ideas, uh, given the scope of Scripture, I find that covenant theology better fits with what the Bible teaches. And I, I, don't want, I want to not confuse you. Um, when I say covenant, it's not the same as our denomination. Our denomination has a, a different name origin. It's more to do with our common mission together. We had a covenant mission together. But the, this, what this emphasizes, this idea of covenant his, um, theology, it emphasizes God's covenants with his people. And it, and it emphasizes this covenant in Christ. It doesn't rely on the most confusing parts of Scripture to teach us what happens. It relies on the stuff that we totally can understand. So that's the idea. And what we do understand is that the, the narrative and the direction of all of Scripture is that Christ is the center of all of Scripture. It's all about Jesus. He is the culmination of everything God has been doing throughout history. So what that means is everything in the Old Testament looks forward to this king who would come. And everything in the New Testament says, looks back and it says, the king came and he's coming again. So it's good news. So there's this culmination of history. And if you were with us during the time when we went through a bunch of the Old Testament, we see that, that there's, there's one story about what God was doing throughout the Old Testament and in his kingdoms and people getting it right and wrong and all that stuff. Everything is moving toward this Messiah. And then we say that is the beginning of something new, this kingdom that has come. And it is here. It's here, but not completely here. So we live in this time of tension now when the kingdom is here in part and it will be here in full. So that's the, that's the way that we look at this. So if it is true, it doesn't mean that the church is like replacing Israel or anything like that. The church is the organic continuation of what God has been doing throughout history. And now it's made up of Jewish people and Gentile people together. Praise be to God, because I am a Gentile dude. So I'm glad that we got included in that. So now in Christ